Alright guys, so this is uh, week two of a series that we're doing called Choices. And uh, we started last week and uh, we are halfway done. It's a short series, it's two weeks. So I'm going to be done here real quick. As a matter of fact, let you go, be on your way. Spend some of that Sonic cash like Murph got. So if you need some money tonight, he's got some. He has no excuses. He's been blessed with $5, which will get you five $1 value meal items at Sonic, right? I don't know. Tax? Somebody will cover tax. I'm sure of it. I'm certain of it. Okay, so last week we talked about um, choices, and we started off by talking about how to make the right choice. And, like, the thing with the series that we're doing tonight, there is no way that I could canvas everything in the Bible about how you make a choice, what a good choice is, what a bad choice is. But my only hope is that you'll walk away tonight and maybe get some things that you can chew on and that can help you. And so I'll be done real quick. In fact, I'm just going to jump right into it. And so last week we talked about how every choice leads to a destination. It takes us somewhere. We can't just make a choice and walk away from the consequences. When we make a choice, we're choosing to head a direction. Now some of us sometimes we make great choices and we're straight on where we should be heading to the path that God has laid out before us. And then other times we make decisions that take us the wrong direction, maybe the 180 way, and we walk away from it. And so in the Bible, what I want to do real quick is just pop open a story about a dude that you all know really well, pretty uh, famous passage about bad decision making, and it's the story of the prodigal son. How many of you guys have you ever heard of this story? I'm sure you have. It's like one of the top um, sermons, or and I'm not going to give a sermon, I'm just going to give you a talk, but like when pastors at like, this is Gateway Church, so like over in the big house, you would hear this maybe once a year. I don't know how often you're going to hear it here, but I just know I'm going to pop this open tonight. So even if you've heard it, I want you to pretend like you've never heard it before and put yourselves in the shoes of this person. And what I want to do is I'm, I'm not attempting to try to twist Scripture to make it fit what I want to say to you, but what I want you to do is I want you to wrestle with um, just kind of who you are in this story. And like we could want to be like the dad in the story because you're going to find out that the dad's pretty cool. He's not like maybe what you think he would be or what a stereotypical dad might do or react. It's pretty cool what he does for his boys. But the story starts off with two brothers. And then one of them, then the story when it takes off, it kind of centers around one person. And let me just get into it, okay? So this story is in Luke chapter 15. And I just love the truth telling of the Bible. I love how... The Bible lights open this story for you, and this is a pretty cool thing. Jesus is talking, and he starts spinning this sweet story so people can kind of learn, and they can get to know what he's all about and who he is. And so Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, if you've never heard this story before, pretty much back in, back in the day and even today, you know that when someone dies, if they had like uh, some money or some cash, they would take that estate and they would write out in a will where it goes. Now, like you might not be into that. I'm not. Some of you guys, maybe we are. We've had a discussion. I've had a discussion about this with somebody. I can't remember. It was one of you leaders, I'm sure. But we were talking about how one of our family members passed away. And if you've had a family member pass away, I'm not trying to bring that up, but you know how it's just kind of weird. 
It's like after the funeral, then everybody goes back to that person's house and they start looking through stuff and then people start looking at things and they're like, oh, remember when he gave this to me? He didn't give that to you. He gave that to me. You know, and they start fighting over it. And then all of a sudden people are, are arguing and they're, and they're going at each other about who gets what. And a wise person just says, you know what, it's just stuff. And it's, I'm not going to break up family for this. But this one dude was so bent This one son was so bent on getting his way that when it came to making the wise decision, when he was, all he could think about is what he was doing, not where he was going, as we talked about last week. And what all he knew that he wanted to do was to have what was coming to him right then. He didn't have the patience. He didn't have the desire to wait. And so he just kind of strolled up to his dad. Now, could you imagine? Put yourself in in his shoes. I mean, the dad is just kind of like sitting there, maybe reading the the biblical times or whatever. He's got his papyrus popped open. You know, the, the, the camel boy just kind of threw it at the, his tent's doorstep. And he's sitting there, you know, he's reading through the paper. And his, his boys come in and they're arguing. Dad, 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 you know. These are, these are kind of teenage boys a little bit older, about your age in high school. And, and of course, they're, they're coming in. They're shoving each other back and forth. And it's like, dude, you shut your mouth. Shut your cake hole. You're a punk, bro. Why do you act like this? From the moment you stepped in the middle school, you thought you were bigger than, than, than you really are. And this is the last thing that dad needs. This is the last thing that mom needs. And so he's sitting there he's like, shut up. Shut up. I mean, what is the big deal? I don't want to be with him anyway. I don't want to go where he goes. I don't want to talk like he talks. I don't want to think like he thinks. I don't want to do what he does. I want to go my own way. And so this son comes strolling in, and he's like, Dad, I want my inheritance now. That's like a bold statement. I mean, honestly, when you think about it, because like that would be like you strolling up to your dad or your mom and saying, you know, when you die, and then you, you, know, you, you sign this will. I mean, like some people, they just go all out, and they're saying, can I make sure that I get this and this? Can I get your... You know, you're, you're Impala. I want to make sure that, you know, you don't sell that, that I get that. You've taken good care of it. And, the gr- and you're just, that's kind of twisted and evil. But this dude was just like, no, I just want you to be dead now. I mean, I, I want my stuff now. I want to bolt. I want to go. I want things my way. And so very forcefully, and the Bible, you know, the Bible kind of, just because it kind of skips a space and gives you a synopsis doesn't mean that there wasn't drama here. It wasn't anything like, hey, Dad. I want half of what you got. I want you to split it up. I don't, I'm not willing to wait until you are gone and, and, and pass on into the next life. You're just, I just want what I want now. And you, that is a decision like to split family, to like be divisive, to like totally get your way and what you want. And if that wasn't bad enough, I mean, the Bible says, okay, this dad, he just parts up the jack and willingly says, okay, I'll give you what you want. I'll give you what you want. And so he takes his stuff. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, we kind of reading through the lines. If you read through the lines, basically what happened here is he got everything that he had, and he, he, he got the freshest chariot. He, got, he, he, he strolled into town. He got the high-rise, you know, dwelling. He was up on the second floor of somebody's casa, had the sweetest tent with the finest linen, 
servants maybe even in there for him that he could pay. And he was just loving life. I don't know if he played like the biblical stock market and made his money grow, but he was pretty self-confident. I get the feeling, though, that he just kind of treated money like he was entitled to it. And he treated what his dad had like it was his to begin with. Eventually, it would have been his, but he forced the issue. And he made this decision that he was going to take that, and he was just going to totally blow it and get what he wanted. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been there. So, like, I can't be too hard on the prodigal son. Because I think about all the times that I screw up and I make a bad decision, right? If you, you know, you make a bad decision, usually you're after something. You want something, and you can't have it. Maybe it doesn't put you on that path that you're supposed to go. When you think about the, de- the destination that God wants for you, and you think about the place where he wants you to be, then off to the side, it's almost like, it's almost like the enemy is throwing something up in front of your face, like, what about this over here? Because that's kind of on the same path. But yet, whenever you're not dead set on God and focused on what, what is the wise thing for me to do, you find yourself making this bad decision. And this was pretty stinking horrific, what he did. I mean, he divided his family, and then he took all that jack, and he spent it all on himself. And the Bible uses this word, wild living. So, I mean, it was a party every night. I lived in Florida for two years, and, like, they partied all the time. I mean, every night, everywhere. You could just drive through the neighborhood. You hear loud music, and if you wanted to, you just follow the sound of that music. You'd stroll up, and right in front of somebody's front yard, right in the middle of the suburbs, man, there'd be like 150, 200 people just out in the grass, you know, just dressed to the finest and just loving life and having a ball. But on the dark side of that, there was a lot of things going on after the party and stuff, and you'd hear about it. You know, the following day, a student would come to you in pain, you know, going through something, or a week later, or a month later, and you'd be, and that was just how it was. You just did whatever felt natural to you, whatever you wanted, what, whatever pleased you. And that's pretty much summarizes what this guy did. Here's what happened next. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So let's read between the lines. What's the Bible saying? All of a sudden, it's like the stock market crashed, and like there was inflation, kind of like, you know, like people kind of panic now, like, what do we do? The economy is bad, and some say it's getting better, and I'm not here to forecast. I'm not a businessman, but I'm saying that you feel the tension because people get nervous. They start looking at their retirement account. They start worrying about what they have and what they don't have. Well, the Bible says that this famine came and just wiped everything out. I mean, there was no crops to harvest. There was The water was all dried up everywhere. The jobs were all gone, and, all, and he had a little bit of money, but he had to spend it, and eventually he spent everything he had until his robe pocket was completely empty. And maybe he sold some stuff in the market, some of the clothes he, maybe he brought with him or some of the stuff that his dad gave him. And eventually, he came to a place where he had nothing. Now, that's kind of like, that's kind of like a little window into what God does when we make a bad choice. And we'll talk about this. But real quick, I mean, you know, just like he did, when you're crossing that line. And usually it starts by forcing your way. So in order for me to tell you what you do after you make a bad choice, I have to help you understand that you've made a bad choice altogether. Now, I don't know what you've done recently, but I know me. 
And I know that I make bad choices all the time. And people are in my life to help correct me. And God is there whispering to my heart. And God begins to whisper to this, this son's heart, just like he whispers to us today. So I want you to think, like, in the heart of your hearts, I mean, honestly examine and think through, God, where have I gone prodigal in my life? Where have I, instead of being on track with what you want, I'm like taking the counterfeit, something close to where you're at but not here. Or maybe altogether I'm, I'm going the opposite direction of you, just barreling over everything, every barrier you put in my way, getting what I want, dead set on not being where you are. And you have to kind of agree if this is you and maybe you'll go through a season like this or maybe you have been in a season where you just took what you thought you deserved and you forced the issue. You said, God, I see what you want from me, but I want this over here. And that moment when we say, when we don't say what is the wise thing for me to do, but we say, I want what I want, What's, what do I want to do, that's the moment where we kind of may experience some of the things that we're talking about here. Have you ever noticed when you made a, make a bad decision, not the kind of decision like you sped through a school zone and you got a ticket, but I'm talking about that horrific decision that kind of maybe turns into a habit or it kind of just changes and alters everything, the, your demeanor, the way you talk to people, the way you influence, influence them. You think about what you can get out of them or how you can use them to perpetuate the choice that you made or to justify what you've done. I mean, that isn't something that everybody in this room is guilty of, but when you're in a season like that, I mean, it's like literally you take, uh, it's like literally you're hiding who you are and what you were created to be, and you're content to live in this situation. You're like, oh, man, I know I shouldn't be here. I know that I'm in a place that I don't belong. Whoa, gosh, I made this bonehead decision. And then I had to go to cover it up to make this decision. And then I, this person, I, I totally destroyed my relationship with them. And so I had, to, I had to make that decision. And then in order for me to survive, I had to step into this world. And by the time you get to the end of this passage, the prodigal son is in a whole different world. I mean, he is in over his head, but he's completely immersed in denial. And that's what, that's what goes through your head when you make a bad choice. I mean, you totally throw caution to the wind. And when you get into the situation where you're just constantly living that 24-7 and it's just you forcing your way and kind of putting everyone else out at arm's length and saying, no, I want what I want, you begin to find yourself in this famine. It's like everything that you want comes up dry. Oh, why isn't this working anymore? Why doesn't this bring me joy? Why doesn't bring, this bring me happiness? That is the first sign. That's the first sign that you are totally off your rocker. Is when everything that used to work for you doesn't work anymore. Nobody believes you. Somebody's tired of giving and seeing you take. That sucks. And if the prodigal maybe should have, little red flag but should have come up. But what he did is he tried to cover it. He tried to bury that by leaning toward himself. When you get caught in that rut of making a bad decision, you'll, you'll know that you're in this rut when the only person that you think can save you is yourself in your own brain. I, I will outsmart this person. I will outsmart this situation. 
I will craft a conversation too good to be denied. I will get and continue to get what I want. So his solution was, I'll get a job. I won't go back to dad. I won't say I'm sorry. I won't say I screwed up. I won't say I made a mistake. I'll just hold the fort right here and I'll, I'll just tighten, I'll tighten down, the, uh, tighten it all down and buck up and hold out. So what he does is he gets this job. And this job is that he takes care of pigs, all right? Pretty nasty job, pretty gnarly job. And the Bible says, says he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So he couldn't even eat. And the only thing that his only pay was that he got a place to stay, a roof over his head. And so he got to live in a barn, but when it came time to eat, they wouldn't even let him eat the, the food, the rotten food that the pigs were eating. And I think about that. I think about how when we're stuck in that situation and we're like content to eat off the scraps of our decision and we won't pull ourselves out. We won't say, I'm sorry. We won't acknowledge where we're at. And I was like that in eighth grade. And, I, and of course, I still have seasons like this, but the worst one for me was in eighth grade. I spent a year jacking around in school. Didn't turn any homework in, didn't study for tests. When progress reports came, I forged them. So I just kind of had to tell all these lies and spin all these tales in all of my classes. And this decision that I first made, it was easy, so I kept doing it over and over again. But it kept snowballing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but you just, you reach that pinnacle where you realize, oh man, the crap's going to hit the fan. I can, I've totally screwed up. And I had worked myself into a corner I knew I would not be able to, to back out of, and so I just waited until I was found out. And when I was found out, my whole world changed. You guys ever been in like that huge trouble? And, and this is kind of like a not a fun message, but you can laugh at me. Maybe not. But man, my whole world changed. I got like solid grounded. I couldn't see the light of day. I had to spend the last, last three months of my school year trying to make up my grades in all my classes. And what I ended up doing was I ended up failing too and having to go to summer school all because of my pride, all because I wouldn't recognize that I'd made the bad choice and fess up to it. And so the weirdest thing is when you're in, a, when you, when you're in that moment, man, it's like you're worn down, right? And so I can remember mom wasn't at home, and my stepdad, he was working, and he was a police officer. And I was so upset, y'all. I felt so unworthy. I felt like I was so distraught, so destroyed from this decision that I went to my dad's bedroom, my mom and dad's bedroom, and I went to his closet. And he kept all of his guns up on the top shelf where my little sisters couldn't reach him. But these were the guns that he used when he was out uh, on, on the force. And I, I know that this is strange. When I look back on it, I'll, I say to myself, why did I ever think this? But I drug one of those handguns down, and I held it in my hand. And if, you're, if you've ever been hunting or if you've ever held a gun in your hand, and I'm not advocating it at all, but the reality is that some of you probably have, I mean, they're heavy. And I could feel the coldness of that steel. And the weird thing was is that the enemy was crawling all over me, telling me, you suck. You're so stupid. 
you made this decision, you made this choice, and you're sticking out like a sore thumb. Your parents don't love you anymore. You're in a situation you'll never be able to salvage. You're going to be a total screw-up for the rest of your life. And I thought about, rather than facing my fear, my fear of failure, rather than facing the reality and trying to earn back trust, rather than facing the, the fact that I had told myself a lie and I'd been living a lie, and change, I just thought the easiest thing to do would be to take myself out. And as, as, I, as I sat there and I held that gun, the longer I held it, the more I realized I couldn't do it. But I was in tears because I didn't know what else to do. And if you've ever been, if that's ever been you, or if you've ever been in a situation like that, or if you've ever had those feelings, or thought those things, or let even the smallest sliver of what I just said go through your head, what I want to say to you is that that spot of brokenness is a very crucial spot. And you need to, your ears and your heart needs to turn, and you need to lift that place up in your mind and in your soul where you recognize something's got to change. And I love what the prodigal son, what happened here. The Bible says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my dad's servants have food to spare? And I'm starving to death. I'm going to set out. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to say to my father, I screwed up, dad. I've sinned against you and against heaven and everything that you stand for. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I give my life over to you like a servant would. I'm no longer, I thought I deserved everything you had. I demanded you do what I said, but now I screwed up. I have nothing to offer you but myself. And the beautiful thing about this story, like I told you, that you would love about the dad, is that when the son crested his hill with his mind made up that he was now at the bottom and he was going to come back, when his son saw him, dropped everything he was doing and ran for him, wrapped his arms around him, picked him up off the ground, gave him the biggest Andy Baxter sledge hug you could ever imagine, bawling. They had a party then, throwing a party for their son. Now, that's the prodigal son. What about you? What about you? So you screwed up. So you've been making some bad choices. What do you need to hear? What I want you to understand is whether you've kind of destroyed some things because of your choices, maybe you've destroyed a relationship that really mattered to you and you've totally crushed it. Maybe you have this relationship now with the opposite sex and, and you interact with each other. You realize that your decisions just both, maybe both, just totally wiped out all the goodness that you once had and felt for each other. Maybe, maybe it is like me. You've totally made a bonehead decision with grades, maybe friends. Maybe you're doing some things to yourself physically that are just absolutely destroying you and then not affecting you, not so much affecting you physically as now mentally and emotionally, and you think you're worthless. You think that all you're fit for is to eat slop and to sit with pigs 
And that's the, the, the best that it gets. What I believe with all my heart is that God was whispering to the prodigal son, do better. I love you. If anything, I know he heard his dad's voice. Maybe thinking about when he was a kid, playing with his brother, hearing his dad say, boys, come on up. Sitting in his dad's lap on the, on, on the couch, watching the big, I don't know, camel football game. Okay? I don't know. All right? But I know that they had good times. I know he loved them. And I know as he sat there just dying in that pile with those pigs, filled with slop, what he probably heard that I want you to hear is you're not stuck. You are not stuck. You are not stuck. You're not stuck. You are not stuck. The decision you made, you're not stuck. The ones that you have been making after that, you're not stuck. This is not as good as it gets. It can be better. You're not stuck. You are not stuck. God says this, I'm about to do something new. I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So you're in a desert of life. So you feel like you have nothing and you've wasted everything. You're not. You're not. You're not. Because I make, the thing about God is, is he makes all things new. Here's the next thing that I want you to hear, because I know, I know that God was whispering this to him. Take your mask off. Take your mask off. So the thing about a mask, you go trick-or-treating, you put it on, you go get candy, or you can remember that. After a while, you can't bear that mask anymore because it doesn't fit. I mean, it doesn't belong on your face. You start sweating. You can't breathe. You take it off. You're like, <gasps> you put it on. It was cool for the first three minutes, and you got candy, but after about 30 minutes, you're like, this doesn't work. And I think that way about us. When we make a wrong decision, we're kind of putting on this mask. We're kind of living in this reality that we've made for ourselves. And what God is saying to us is, take that joker off. That is not who I made. You, what you have in your life right now is a mask for you because you're afraid to live the way that I've intended you to live. But please, for God's sake, for my sake, take that mask off because you're suffocating under that joker. And you know that when you have made those kind of decisions that are destroying your life, it's like you want to take it off, you want to stop, but it's kind of like this is your identity now. This is who I am. I'm, I'm this person. And I can't, I can't imagine another life where I take this off, where I fold and say, I'm so sorry, I, I, and try to restore relationships. But what God is saying to you guys is take it off. Take it off. You're going to feel so much better. Let me see you the way I made you. Let you see yourself the way you made yourself. God says this. God says this in his word. And I, I want you guys to hear this verse. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. All my guilt is gone. What I want you to understand is even if, you, even if you've made a bad choice, and last week I talked about making the right choice. What is the wise thing for me to do based on where God wants me to go and getting in sync with him? 
Maybe last week you were like, I cannot go there. I am so far removed from that. But what I want you to say is, when you heard me loud and clearly last week talking about what happens when you set your focus and your heart on this direction, even if you feel like you're dead set on going this way, and you're wearing this mask, and you're living this identity, and you have done everything that you can in your power to make things work, to force the issue, to continue to keep plowing ahead. If I just, I, I just not, not going fast enough. I'm just not trying hard enough. What I want you to hear is I want you to know that just like the prodigal, God can whisper to you, and maybe he is now, stop. You are not stuck. You are not stuck. Take the mask off. Let me love you. Let me pick you up. Let me, let me just, let's sit down again. Let's just be together. You've been so far from me. And it's not like I haven't seen you. After all, I watched as you made that choice. And you left, but now you're here. I love you. I love you. God, I know that sometimes life throws